I do have three grandchildren, and it's exciting for my wife and son and I to be here worshiping you this, with you this morning. I do work for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. Uh, my job at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board is pastor wellness, um, and I have the opportunity to represent you around the state, working with over 3,400 churches and several thousand pastors and staff members um, in the area of wellness and walking beside them. We tell them, if you ever need to fuss, cuss, or discuss, just call us. And that's how we relate to them. And we have the privilege, literally the privilege, of serving you. So I thank you for your generosity. I thank you for your partnership. I thank you for investing not only in this community, but literally around the world and certainly in our state. So it is a privilege. So right now, you're in the middle of a series, right? Seven Choices, Life-Changing Decisions. Jesse last week spoke to you about the, the life-changing choice of, uh, of generosity and how generosity can not only impact your life, but go beyond your life and, and impact others and, le- and even outlives you, literally, when we're, when we're generous people. Well, my task today is to talk to you about the life-changing decision of to connect, to belong, to be a part. You know, Proverbs 2.11 says, wise choices move us along in life. Life, Wise choices give us understanding. And as we open our Bibles, in fact, you can go ahead and turn in your Bible or your your electronic device to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read out of verse, uh, start in verse 3. But as we begin to understand this value of connecting, this value of belonging, realizing that we do not live life in a vacuum, but yet God said that He created us to live in community. And I think as we look at these truths this morning about it, that we're going to understand that really it is a life-changing decision. For some, connecting is very, very easy. It just happens. You walk in a room and you want to connect. For others, connecting is a little more difficult. You walk in a room and you're like, oh no, people. (laughs) And so what we want to understand is that God made each one of us. Man, He made the extrovert that wants to step out into the aisle right now and just say hey to the person across the aisle. And He made the one that is sitting there going, I hope nobody notices I'm here today. But in that, He made you, and He made you with value. He made you with a purpose, and He made you to be a part of the body of Christ. And so as we begin to read in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, Paul, who is writing this, says this, For I say, through the grace given to me, in other words, I can't do it. I'm saying it to you because I have received grace. To everyone who is among you, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Can you say, I got a measure? This morning, you got a measure of faith because God, by his grace, gave it to you. For we, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function... So we, being many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let's use them. If prophecy, let's prophesy in proportion to our faith. 
or ministry? Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Connected. I believe that we can see just in this passage and many other places in Scripture, but certainly in this passage, that God has said to us, I have created you to be connected. Many members, one body, serving together, using the gifts that He's given us to impact the world with the gospel and the life-changing truth of Jesus Christ. I mean, let's go ahead and admit it. Life is better together When we live it with other people. I mean think about it. God in his sovereignty chose to create two institutions. The first one was the family. And the family was created to conceive, to nurture, provide, protect and to send out. And guess what? The second institution that he created was the church. And the church is to conceive evangelism. The church is to provide and nurture and and grow, protect. That's discipleship. And the church is to send out. That's missions. And you know, Acts 1.8 says that um, we're to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outer parts of the world. Pastor Trey this week took that literally. But it's also for us to understand Man, I want you to go across the street. I want you to go across the state. I want you to go around the country. And I want you literally to go around the world. But you know, it also said Samaria. And man, when you think about connecting and you think about the word Samaria in the context of Scripture. Man, Samaria was the place that you did not go. Samaritans were the people you didn't talk to. But yet embedded in that missionary mandate. God said, go to Samaria. I love that. I love that God gave us what he told us to do. But you know, I I feel that in America we have a dilemma. In America we place a high value on our independence. In America, our nation was founded on that declaration. I mean, our mottos are, I got to be me. You do you, boo. You know what I'm talking about. You do you. Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. And yet right here in the word of God it says, so we being many are one body and individually members of one another. I love the church. I mean, you look around this room. I mean, where else can you gather on any given Sunday with people who have come together for one purpose, to know God and to make Christ known? And we are here, and we're together, and we're connected. And we're connected not because we're in the room, that is a connection, but we're connected because the blood of Christ. We're connected because while we were still sinners, Jesus died so that we could move from death to life, from stranger and alien. An enemy to a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture would say we are friends with God. And if I'm a friend 
with God, a friend of God, if I'm a joint heir with Christ, that means through Christ, that with you, if I've never met you, we are the body. We're connected. And God has connected us. We're going to see in a moment, not just to say, I have a connection, but so that together, being many, being diverse and different, that we can take the name of Jesus outside of these walls and obey the command to go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in so that the house is full, so that the family reunion is bigger, so that the weak are strengthened, so that the prideful can learn how to be more humble, so the broken can be healed, the isolated can have community, we being many. You know, here's my ouch moment, if you will. My ouch moment for this means that I need to cooperate with other people. It means that I need to depend on other people. It means that I need to be available to other people. And here's my point, my ouch moment. I need to be vulnerable to other people. Because if you ask me walking out of here this morning, Hey, Chris, how are you doing? And I'm going to say, it's a, I'm fine. Thank you for asking. It's good. And some days that's true. And other days, that's just not true. So the scripture says that, that you need me. And I'm going to tell y'all something. Man, that flows out of my mouth like sweet words. You need me. But the scripture also says, I need you. And oh my goodness, I have to force that one out. It's like, do you like Brussels sprouts? Mm-hmm. No, I don't. And truly, in my nature, I don't want to need you. So let's just do a little exercise. Look at the person next to you and say, you need me. Oh, yeah. See, y'all like that too, right? Yes, you need me. But now look at them and say, I need you. And that is what the Word is teaching us. Yes, ma'am. It is, it is telling us that that is how God did it. We're here. But look, I didn't read to you verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12. And I'm just going to read them right quick. If you don't have time to turn there or look, get it, look at it. Look, it says, I beseech you, I beg you, I implore you. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. He said that this is... Your reasonable service. And he says, I don't want you to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, verses 1 and 2 give me context for verses 3 through 8. Verse 3 through 8 tells me that I'm a part of a body. I'm a member. It tells me that I belong and I have a place. Verse 1 and 2 tell me how to step into the body. Verse 1 and 2 says that I beseech you, 
by the mercies to present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. It's your reasonable. He says, and I don't want you to be conformed to this world. He says, rather you be transformed, made new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone's in Christ, what? New creature. Old things are passed away. All things are made new. In Christ, I'm new. But you see, if I'm going to step into the body, if I'm going to be connected, I need to be living out verses 1 and 2 before I get to verse 3. A few years ago, I fell and broke my leg. When I fell and broke my leg, the rest of the body had to carry me. The rest of the body was available, able. That leg was not doing what it had been doing for decades. And yet as the rest of the body supported the leg, the leg gained strength, it gained mobility, it gained flexibility. And now today, because the rest of the body loved that leg, it is doing everything it ever did and probably even more because of some physical activity and physical therapy. That's exactly who we are in the body of Christ. Man, we come in and we need to be as whole as we understand how to be, but we don't kick people out the door if they're not where they ought to be. Because the Scripture says that while we were still sinners, Christ died. That's where he takes us. We need to embrace the people that God brings to us. And I want to tell you, which by the way, um, I live right here in Stockbridge. So when I'm talking to you about South Atlanta, I'm not talking to you about a geographic location. I'm talking to you about my home. And we are blessed in South Atlanta we are blessed in South Atlanta that we can find somebody from every continent. I haven't found anybody from Australia, so if you're Australian, just raise your hand and say, woohoo, because that'd be amazing. But, but we have almost every continent and many, many nations represented right here. We do foreign missions by going to the grocery store. You hear me? And that's who we are. And, and God has blessed Eagles Landing. And God has literally brought people from all over the world to this place right now. So that we together can reach the world. That's connected. That's connected. That is loving who God's bringing. So how do we do that? What are, let's get to the, to the crux of it. And, and understanding this idea of connection. First of all, we are created for life together. Life together. All through Scripture, we'll find it. But I want to give you some proof text for that so that you don't think that I'm just sitting here giving you my opinion. Genesis 2.18, while there was just one person on earth, God said, it is not good that a man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, yes, this is in the context of marriage, but every human being that's either been created or born since that time, that truth right there, it's not good to be alone. Now, some are not alone because they step into a marriage covenant. 
Others are not alone because we are part of the body of Christ. There's a reason that Jesus left the 99 and went after the one because the 99 had each other and the one was vulnerable. The one was in trouble, susceptible. The one was, could be broken out of the herd to be branded, if you will, to use an agricultural understanding of it. And he says, it's not good that we're alone. But then Hebrews 10.24 says, and let us consider one another. Dwell on, think about, get involved with. Do life together. I don't care how you want to say it. But he said, let us consider one another in order. In other words, he says, consider one another for this reason. To stir up some love. Not just gushy feelings, but that love that runs into the situation rather than away from the situation. That love that runs beside someone, not apart from someone. He says, we are created to do life together. He says, it's not good for you to be alone. He says, I want you to consider one another because I want to stir up some love. He said, but I also want to stir up some good works. Man, have you ever had that moment in life that you really wanted to do something and you were like, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And we get right to the edge and we're ready to jump and we go, I can't do it. And then that friend comes beside you and says, I'll go with you. And before you know it, you have leapt to a new adventure. Our daughter's 30. Her name is Dallas. Dallas was standing on the edge of the pool as a two-year-old. Jump, Daddy. Jump, Daddy. Jump, Daddy. She wanted to jump, and I'd go, here I am. And she'd get right to the edge and back up. And then one day, she just plunged. And Daddy caught her. And she's been jumping ever since. You see, we can jump because God is for us. Who can be against us? But God says, man, I'm going to just add to the equation. I'm going to add to the understanding. He said, yes, I'm going to catch them, but I'm going to give you the privilege of being a catcher too. Life together. Stir up some love. Stir up some good works. Those things where we get involved in the community. And people are like, what in the world? I've never seen this. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And I need some, some love. I need some help with good works. But you see, part of that love is not just saying you can do it. Part of that love is saying maybe you shouldn't do it. Right? I need somebody that's going to step into my life and say, yeah, I wouldn't do that. For 33 years, almost 34 years, Gail, my wife, has been that person. I can tell you I've rejoiced when I've listened. And I've wept. When I have it. 
God has put people in my life. In ministry. I say, I wouldn't do that. And it's a blessing when God gives us those people together. So what are some benefits of, of doing life together? First of all, there's strength, right? There's strength in doing life together. Ecclesiastes would say a cord of three strands not easily broken. But think about strength. How many of you have survived 100% of your tough days so far? Everybody, right? If you're here in this room right now, you have survived your tough days. So don't give up. Romans 8 would tell me, all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called called according to His purpose. So what he's literally saying there is, it may not have been a whole lot of fun, but if you'll submit to me, I'm going to cause it to work together for your good, my glory. In other words, use my life to improve your life. Use your life to help me in my life. Connected, the body of Christ. Think about a pastor friend of mine and Gail's. He was preaching, and while he was preaching, in the middle of his preaching, his, his wife had a massive stroke. Right in the middle of the service. As soon as our service was over, we got the word and and we went to the hospital and we thought, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. In fact, there were a whole room of people there and nobody was saying anything and nobody was doing anything. And when we left, it was in our minds that what did we accomplish? And not long after that, the pastor said, you'll never know how much you being here meant. It was the ministry of presence. Connected. We're created to do life together. I think about a lady named Miss Dot. Miss Dot had been told from childhood she was ugly and that she had no value. And she believed it. And she lived that way even though she came to church. She did not believe people could love her and she certainly didn't believe that God could love her. And in her 80s one day, Miss Dot and I sat down and had a conversation. And she said, I don't want to die without Jesus. And she bowed her head and she said, Jesus, come into my heart. And I I remember she said, I don't even know if I fully understand this. Now, that's my words, not hers. She said, but pastor, what do you think I ought to do? Well, Miss Dot, we have life groups, small groups, discipleship groups. Would you connect with one? And she did. And every time she came, she'd bring a gift so that she could give people something so that they would like her. And pretty soon, the the truth of Scripture began to take over. And this dot began to feel like Jesus loved her. And she began to live like Jesus loved her. And when she died in her 80s, she died with her eyes fixed on Jesus, knowing that she was stepping into the loving arms of a heavenly father that had given everything so that she could have life. And you see, I I wouldn't assume that there's a Miss Dodd in this room this morning. But I would bet in a crowd this size... 
There's someone who's saying, does God really love me? And I want to tell you by affirmation of the scripture and by affirmation of our assembling together that you are loved by God and that you're loved by people. Man, there's strength in the body of Christ being connected. There's there's accountability in the, the body of Christ. There's wisdom in being connected to the body of Christ. Proverbs teaches that plans fail for lack of counselors, but with many advisors, they succeed. So point one, God created us to do life together. The second thing that I think we can see in Scripture is that we were created to work together. Remember the passage said, to stir up love and have good works. So we're created to work together. Ephesians 2.10 would tell us this, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Galatians 6.10 would tell us, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. We're created to live together, but we're not created just to come and sit in the room and look around at each other. We're created to work together. To stir up those good works. Created in Christ for good works. The benefit of of working together. Psalm 139 opens our eyes to the fact that before we were born, the scripture says that God knew us. Jeremiah would say before he knew us that he had plans for us with a future and a hope. I remember as a child, I, I caught the mumps. And my mom worked in the family grocery store. My dad worked in the family grocery store. My grandmother that I call Mom Amanda um, said, well, I'll stay with him. She thought she'd had the mumps. She never had the mumps. So there Mom Amanda and I sat on the couch. Now, just FYI, I have ADHD out the roof. And she lived in an apartment with my grandfather. So you can imagine, here's my... Elderly grandmother with a young kid with ADHD with the mumps. And what's she going to do? Well, let me tell you what that resourceful old lady did. She taught me how to crochet. So I'm just saying, if you need some baby booties or a cap this winter, you holler. I got you. Yeah. But the whole time she was knitting... Mom Amanda was teaching me about Psalm 139. And every time I'd do a stitch with that little hooked needle, she'd talk about God knit me together. And she said, God knit you together, Chris. And God has a future for you. And God has a hope for you. And God has plans for you. And she said, I don't know what it's going to look like, but as you look at each one of these stitches, I want you to know that God did that for you. He knit you together. <laughs> Good works. I don't know that my, my grandmother ever traveled very far in her life. But I want to tell you that lesson she taught that little boy with the mumps has traveled far and wide. 
say, I don't know where I'll go and my audience won't be big. Your audience doesn't have to be big because if it hits the right one, it'll hit everyone. Yeah. He says, I created you to work together. We're at our best when we're working together. It's one of the best things about our denomination. We're over 40,000 churches all over the world working together, cooperating so that people who are far from God but near to us can also become near to God. In the state of Georgia, we have over 3,400 churches. And we are cooperating and working together to work with people who are, who are new to our state. We're working together with foster care and adoption and literacy and pre- and postnatal care and all of those things. We're cooperating because we're giving them, quote, cups of cold water in Jesus' name. We're going to their felt need so that we can meet their real need, Christ. You as a congregation are spreading yourselves literally around the globe so that people who do not know Christ can come to know Christ. We're created to do life together. We're created to work together. But we're created to protect each other. Philippians 2.4 Do not merely look out for your own interest, but also for the interest of others. Now that's a dying thing in our culture. We look the other way. We don't want to get involved. That doesn't affect me. Well, body of Christ, I want to tell you something. It affects the person here. It affects the person back there. And the scripture says, don't look out just for your interest, what's in it for me, but look out for the interest of others. Hebrews 13.1 says, let brotherly love continue. Remember, we're created in Christ for good works. We're created to stir up love. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him is alone, who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Ecclesiastes 4, 12. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Now if I had hair, and I pulled out three strands and I braided them together, the three would be much more stronger. Much stronger. There you go. Come on. Um, much stronger than the individual strand. Man, we need to be doing some braiding in the body of Christ. Connecting, building our lives together, taking who we are. We need people who will defend us, protect us, who will stand with us and for us who will help us stay on track and who will walk us back when we get off track. We need people who will warn us. Continuing in brotherly love. And that means not just in tragedy, chaos, injustice, but it means day to day, every day. All the time. So here's my question. Whose back are you watching? Who have you invited 
to watch your back. Because I, we, us, we can't do it alone. We have to do it through Christ and with each other. We're created to bear one another's burdens. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9 says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, courteous, not returning evil for evil, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called. You hear that? I am called to not return evil for evil. I am called to walk beside you, to continue in brotherly love. It says if you'll do it, you'll inherit a blessing. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice. Now you are the body of Christ. Members individually. But you're the body. So when do I step in? think I step in in normal life, everyday life. More than the obligatory, how's your mom and them? But I step into life. We walk in life together. I do step in in crisis. I step in in moments of injury. I step in moments when people are rejoicing. I step into life when people are weeping. I look for the opportunities to find people who at that moment or for eternity are far from God, but they're near to me. And I began to look for ways to, to join life with them. This whole idea of connected is wrapped around the realization that we are the body of Christ. Our lives through Christ are cemented. We need to be people who are running towards the lostness, the brokenness. The hurting, not the people who are running away from it. And here's the truth. Things are going to happen in your life. Things are going to happen unexpected, unplanned, unwanted. Those are going to happen. You're going to get that phone call or you're going to get that diagnosis or you're going to get that letter that says your job is over, your, your relationship's in trouble. All of those things are going to happen. Now, we can be proactive, and as the Scripture says, choose today who you're going to serve. Or we can be reactive when it happens, and that's chaos. Connected, you're here. That's corporate. Connected individually as a person, that means in a personal relationship with Christ. Connected through life. So that we can walk through those moments of tragedy. Our friend, Pastor Sam. Preaching had no idea when he went to church that day. That his wife was going to die. But Pastor Sam had given his life personally to Christ. He committed himself corporately to the body of Christ. And in his moment of tragedy... Because he was connected, the body of Christ ran to him and strengthened him and his daughters in his greatest time of need. 
I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're connected. Let's continue to look for ways to love and stir up good works. You know, John 13, 35 says this, By all men will know we are his disciples. What? If we have love for one another. Love equals connected. 